the April 27th edition of the show, we'll talk about The Last Dance Part 3 and 4, NBA allowing some teams to train in practice facilities, Alex Bowman wins NASCAR iRacing Series in virtual Talladega, and much more. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at 711sports underscore podcast or search us on Facebook and Twitter. Probably one of the more exciting virtual races yet, Alex Bowman of Hendrickson Motorsports won the race by .37 seconds after an overtime restart. Corey LaJoya and Ryan Priest finished second and third consecutively, followed by Garrett Smithley. Landon Castle of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and two-time eNASCAR iRacing champ William Byron finished sixth. Not only did this race have an overtime, but there were 14 different leaders and 27 different lead changes in a 74-lap race consisting of 39 cars. Alex Bowman crew chief Greg Ives also made sure that everyone remembered that he was the winner of the California Auto Club Speedway race in March before the schedule got put on hold, which makes this two wins in the season. While he did not lead most laps, he still had to put him, he still put himself in good positions, but his pit strategy was ultimately the key to the victory. Bowman had fueled up under green and thought he was being put into a bad spot. However, a few cautions helped him out. There were a few accidents later that he stayed out of and was ultimately able to take advantage of. The race definitely had its fair share of accidents, and among those who had to restart with new cars is the Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon in his iRacing debut. The legend ultimately finished 38th in the race. According to NASCAR.com, Gordon said it's incredibly realistic. I love being a part of it. It was great being back in there in the action and the competition on the track. I had a blast. Dale Earnhardt Jr. also got into the action and even led a few laps. William Byron, a veteran iRacing competitor, still dominated the race, leading nine laps and finishing in the top ten once again. Former Heisman winner and number one overall pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is close to making a deal with the New Orleans Saints. The contract would most likely be for one year and would battle with Taysom Hill for the backup quarterback position behind the 41-year-old Drew Brees. Either Hill or Winston could be the successor to Brees. Winston played with the Buccaneers from 2015 to 2019 and was replaced by six-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady. Jameis led the league in passing yards last season with 5,109 yards and tied Russell Wilson with the second-most touchdown passes with 33. But he led the league with 30 interceptions and was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 30-30. Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians was open to keep Winston. However, he saw that he could get Brady. It looks like all the starting quarterback positions are filled and Winston has to likely sign as a backup. He would replace former Saints backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, who signed with Carolina this offseason. If Winston plays well enough as a backup this season, he could be back to being a starter in 2021. Before we dive into some more awesome sports topics, I'd like to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard anything about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Can't go wrong with that. And guess what? There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's not all, though. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It keeps on getting better, though. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, let's get back to the show. The NFL draft had a record 55 million viewers for the three-day event. 
For the first time in league history, the NFL draft was held virtually. The draft was supposed to take place in Las Vegas, Nevada in the Vegas trip because of all the COVID-19 outbreak they had to move it virtually. The NFL set all kinds of records and still even had Roger Goodell get booed. With the draft being held through Zoom for teams, the league decided to have fans participate in booing the commissioner virtually. The NFL knew it wouldn't be the same. With absolutely no sports on at the moment, people were finally able to embrace him normal again. To no one's surprise, the Cincinnati Bengals selected LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. When he was drafted, he was at his home in Athens, Ohio with his parents. He even explained how truly amazing it was for him to be selected number one overall when he was from the poverty-stricken city. Burrow is the first player ever to make it to the NFL from Athens. The rest of the top five win as followed. The Washington Redskins selected Chase Young. The Detroit Lions selected Jeffrey Okuda. The Giants selected Andrew Thomas, and the Miami Dolphins selected Tua Tungavaloa. Louisville football commit Dexter Rents dies in shooting. Dexter Rents was a senior at Okoe High School in Orlando, Florida. He had committed to the University of Louisville over several other FBFS offers. Saturday evening, police responded to a call where four people had been shot. Of course, four. Dexter was the only one to die. The reason for the shooting is unknown at this time and no suspects were taken into custody. The community really came out in support of this young man and Louisville football coach Scott Satterfield issued a statement that read, We are deeply saddened here by the passing of Dexter Renz. He was a great young man who had a contagious personality and was able to light up the room with his smile. He was a great kid to be around and he will be missed. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Renz family during this extremely difficult time. His teammate Lovey Jenkins signed his national letter of intent on the same day that Dexter had. They were both going to take official visits at the same day as well. His teammate said on Twitter, I promise working harder than I ever did. It was reported on Saturday night that the NBA is allowing teams in states that have relaxed stay-at-home orders to be able to return to some practice facilities. States such as Georgia and Texas have stated have started to open businesses back up again. Some players could travel to one of those states and train there individually. Most players in the league have already left the cities they are playing in. It is still prohibited for teams to gr- have group workouts or team activities. However, according to League Commissioner Adam Silver and the owners, the NBA is unsure on when to start the season back up again. According to ESPN senior NBA analyst, Adrian Wojnarowski, he stated that the league had a conference call on Thursday that includes the commissioner, GMs, and coaches, saying that players were asking if they should get on a plane and find a place where they could practice in the gym legally. Wojnarowski also stated that some GMs were against the idea because many health experts were against the idea of reopening again. Even though it's not huge for fans, it's the next step for the regular season to come back. Big Poppy defends the Red Sox and calls their punishment unfair. Both Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox have been caught and reprimanded for stealing signs leading up to their World Series championship wins. The Astros had devised a plan to have the center field camera view shown on a screen in the dugout. A player then would tap on the next on the trash cans in the dugout to let the batter know what pitch was coming next. The Astros will not have a first and second round pick for the next two years, refined $5 million in their general manager Jeff Loonhow and manager A.J. Henge have been banned from the league for one year. Just recently, a major league baseball handed down the punishment for the Red Sox. A video operator for the team had used replaying to decode signs. Then he would let the dugout know and they would relate to the 
better. Their punishment, the video operator was suspended for two years and the Red Sox lost a second round draft pick. Big Poppy, the Red Sox future Hall of Famer, was on Fox Sports via Twitter to weigh in on the punishment. When compared to the punishment given to Houston, he said the punishment given to the Red Sox was not fair, Ortiz said. They were searching, trying to find out if anything that happened in Houston happened in Boston. And basically, it wasn't even close to a similar situation. What happened in Boston is what everybody is going to do in the league right now. And I think the punishment was not fair. This is after the league had said what teams had done did not give them enough of an advantage to win the World Series. When it comes down to the suspension of the video operator, he said, you're going to blame a video guy suspend for two years just because he's watching what signals the catchers are giving, telling players so the players can use it on the field. That's what everybody's doing. I don't call that cheating. I think it was more of an, an excuse than anything else. Alex Rodriguez was on the show as well, and his perspective is different. He believed, like many others, that the Red Sox got off pretty easy. He did mention, though, that the league could not find as much as they thought when they began the investigation. He believes that this is a good thing for baseball. He also believes that players now have a better understanding of what Major League Baseball is going to allow when it comes to sign stealing. He infers that it is a commonplace, but now teams have a better idea of what is kosher and what is not. The controversy has grown as many begin to question the integrity of the league. The Last Dance documentary film of the 90s Bulls on ESPN aired part 3 and 4 on Sunday night. Part 1 and 2 of the series had 6.1 million viewers for both episodes. The first part of the series even had two former U.S. presidents in Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. Part 3 started out with the very enthusiastic big man and rebounding champion Dennis Robin. He reflects on his time growing up in his first few years in the league. Dennis Robin was an interesting character to say the least. He was drafted by the Pistons in the second round of the 1986 NBA draft. By, from southeastern Oklahoma State. Rodman stated in an interview that after he turned 18, he was kicked out of his own house. After that, he was just trying to find places to live. He also quoted saying that if he wasn't for southeastern Oklahoma State basketball coach Lynn Reisman, he'd still be on the streets. In the fall of 1982, Rasmund recruited Rodman to play for southeastern Oklahoma State and eventually was drafted by the Pistons in the 1986 NBA draft. At first, Rodman was very quiet and had a simple life. During his time at Detroit, he helped the Pistons win two NBA championships, two Defensive Player of the Years, and was a five-time NBA All-Defensive First Team. However, in 1993, Dennis Rodman was reported that he had a gun in his car and thought about taking his life. Due to many other problems, Rodman was eventually traded to the Spurs in 1994 and played with them for two seasons. During his time in San Antonio, he started becoming wild and he changed his hair color often. He also started wearing mini tattoos, earrings, and had the strangest outfits, and even started dating pop star Madonna. Things have changed in the summer of 1996 when Rodman was traded to the Bulls. Bill Jackson was able to control Rodman while still letting him have a personality. He helped the Bulls win three more championships and is considered to be one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Part 4 was about Phil Jackson. Jackson is an 11-time NBA champion who won six with the Bulls and five with the Lakers. Jackson started his coaching career in 1978 while still playing for the New Jersey Nets. Jackson went to the University of North Dakota and played three seasons. He quoted on the documentary saying that he always loved playing basketball. In 1967, he was drafted in the second round by the New York Knicks, where he helped them win two championships. In 1981, he left the New Jersey Nets and became the head coach for the Albany Patroon 
and the CBA and coach for the National Puerto Rico basketball team. He became an assistant with the Bulls in 1987 and replaced head coach Doug Collins in 1989. In that first year, Phil Jackson implemented the triangle offense. Previously, Collins liked to run isolation with MJ, but Jackson thought it would be better for the team not to put so much pressure on the star. The triangle offense relies heavily on every player to get the ball and find the open man. Jackson even ran the same offense during his time in L.A. Thanks for listening to the 7-Eleven Sports Podcast, your top seven sports stories of the day in just 11 minutes.